0: Thanks for
1: listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for subscribing and following. It's Justin in the Contender Cast. for shining a light on bright ideas. On today's show is Greg Kalinin? He has got a great new company called Holistic Roasters. He's the co-founder. We're talking coffee. Um, he's also a creative guy. He's got a really cool natural interest in like a lot of different things. And I love that. I mean, we just got on the Zoom and like we spent the last 12 minutes talking about all kinds of things and it's just rare that that happens and so um I'm really excited that Greg's here Greg great to have you on the show
2: Justin I'm so happy to be here uh thank you for for inviting
1: me and I got your last name right (laughs) yes I mean you know (laughs) Hahnemann I get all kinds of things um hey listen it's so great that you're here um I'm excited um to hear your story and uh and to 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 dive in, and uh, I've got, as you know, uh, a list of uh, questions, and I'm, I'm I'm very curious, as, as we talked about earlier. Um, but let's do this. Uh, let's start off with your background. So, before launching a coffee company, you're in like aerospace. So, tell me about this. Like, give it, or give our audience a sense of who you were, what you were doing, and then why launch the company.
2: So, as you know, Justin, from our initial conversation, I'm I'm also a very curious guy, and, and so I have a pretty unconventional background, I would say. Uh, so it, to get to, to get to coffee, it's going to take me a little while, but I'm going to walk you through, you know, just uh, as quickly as I can, kind of my, my background. So I was, I was working in Japan and that's where I fell in love with coffee. Um, so I could tell you that story. It was, it was an amazing experience. I fell in love with coffee. It was a siphon coffee. It tasted amazing and it just really made my day. But eventually what I, I left Japan and I went to do an MBA at McGill. And unlike all of my colleagues from the from the MBA program who went into either consulting or banking, I, I had done my uh, thesis on e-commerce and online marketing, and this was you know 1994 and 1995 timeline. Early days. Uh, So it was early days and people thought I was absolutely crazy. Why bother doing an MBA if you're not going to go get like a high paying job on, you know, with a bank or, or some large company. That's what everyone typically does. And, and there weren't at that time, a lot of people who would go that route and become entrepreneurs just wasn't something people did. And people thought, as I was, as I mentioned, I was crazy to go into e-commerce. They thought it was such a small niche at the time. But within six months of that, we we ended up um, you know that whole dot com era exploded, I and uh, people were saying, "Oh, you're in you're in the internet business." What, but what do you focus on? What's your niche? Because it's such a huge industry now. Um, so it took a while, uh, but we we eventually became pretty successful. We ended up doing an IPO um, with that company. And uh, one of the my colleagues um, that we had hired, who was one of the the people who had done an MBA and and went to McKinsey, uh, had joined uh, our our startup. But eventually he he left and went to a company called Bombardier. And when oh, I left yeah. the, the startup after yeah. it was about six or seven years, yeah, Bombardier Aerospace. Uh, they do did at the time they did trains, they did sedus, all sorts of things. It was a it was Canada's I think largest manufacturer at the time. So he, he had joined, uh, that company as a vice president. He said, Greg, I think you'd actually really enjoy working here. Um, we have an opening in the, in the strategy division. Uh, why don't you come, uh, join? So I did. I thought it was really interesting. But within a few months, the president of Bombardier International asked me to, uh, if I would launch FlexJet for them in, in the Asia Pacific oh, region. Interesting. And okay. the reason they asked me, it was kind of, I was surprised by it, right? It was like un, unusual, but they said, listen, you have experience working in Asia. You're an entrepreneur background. This is a, an entrepreneurial kind of internal entrepreneurial startup. Uh, we don't have a lot of internal entrepreneurs here at Bombardier. <laughs> right. They tend not to have that experience. So it's like, I would love to do that. That sounds so fascinating. They said, here's the business plan. You know, here we have a board of advisors for you. Here's a budget. Go make it happen. Um, so that's how I got into aerospace. I ended up in, being in aerospace then for about 10 years, 12 years. Amazing. Um uh including so including then uh at one point doing a turnaround on an aerospace manufacturing company which Ooh. I tell you Justin it was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life it was Why? what was it Why? that made because... it so difficult <laughs> so started this um process in the summer of 2008 and this company was on the verge of bankruptcy we for the, in the first 6 months we kind of turned it around but then the financial crisis hit and and what was supposed to be a year or two kind of project to turn around this company ended up being like four or five years. Uh, it was wow. just really, really tough to survive that. But, but eventually we did and eventually sold the company. And I had a bit of time on my hands. So I got interested in permaculture Just, you know, one of those things you get curious about. Uh, I thought it was a really fascinating, um, way of growing food, which was really focused on how do you, how do you create a a natural ecosystem that's self-sustaining and that produces a lot of food? Um, and with no no inputs required. It was, I thought kind of, you know, very different than all the other things I'd done, which tended to be related to technology and new trends, but I thought it was, you know, in a sense its own kind of technology, but just technology working with, you know, nature as a system. So with that, um, one of my, uh, my, my children were in a school that wanted to do a fundraising project. And I thought it would be interesting if we could find a way to, I could integrate those two things. So they said, we'd love to be able to do uh, a coffee, but, you know, we, we don't, we'd love there to be. So everyone was very interested at the school in th- everything related to biodynamics because it, it was a Waldorf school. And they said, we know about biodynamic wine. We love it. We use it sometimes to do fundraisers. But we think, you know, if there was a possibility to do a coffee, a biodynamic coffee, we don't think it exists. And so I don't think it can be done. But, you know, when someone tells me something doesn't exist or can't be done, I get right. curious. That's when you go do things. it. <laughs> back to the earlier yeah, so conversation I found, I found a mm-hmm. biodynamic coffee farm and and at the time you know there were only a handful of them this one was was in Peru I found somebody who had been to that farm and was working with them importing some of their green coffee into into the U.S. I asked him if he would send me a couple of hundred pounds of green coffee that I was going to roast it and use it as a fundraiser so did that and it went really well people really loved the coffee and at the same time kind of just Coincidence, a kind of fun circumstance, was um, in in my neighborhood. Uh, a couple had opened up a, a third wave coffee shop. I, I became friends with them. They had the best coffee in Montreal, and we, we were really close. Uh, they're they're my two co founders in this company now, um, Dominic Jacques and Miriam Asseline. And I started talking to them about the the coffee. And at the same time, they said, "Listen, Greg, you know we I have we have an opportunity to open." Uh, a private cafe for a large financial institution. And they want to have it in their office. It's not my wheelhouse. It's not my experience. Could you help me with that project? Uh, You know, help me negotiate it, maybe even partner with me. And I said, yeah, I would love to do that. And it turned out to become like a really successful, uh, you know, private cafe. But I said, would you also be interested in, you know, roasting your own coffee and maybe looking at it from like a biodynamic, regenerative, organic coffees. And they said, you know, at the time I was a little bit hesitant because they thought getting into roasting was kind of, out, again, outside of of what they were focused on, which was just getting really high quality coffee. I said, I think this is gonna turn out to be interesting because I think the quality of the coffee that you can get uh, grown in this way is gonna be really high. So kind of spur of the moment, we ended up traveling to Honduras, uh, kind of last minute to a biodynamic coffee farm in Honduras uh, spent three or four days there. And by the end of that, that, uh, that trip, we had decided we we're going to, uh, import as much coffee as we could from this farm and give it a go and see how it would, how it would, uh, you know, uh, if, if there was going to be, if we could turn this into something more than just kind of a, a hobby or side business. So that's a got long it. way of telling you how I got
1: into coffee. Oh, but, I, uh, I love it. OK, so I got a couple of questions for you. That's that's a perfect setup. So what does it mean when you say biodynamic?
2: So bi- biodynamic is kind of the OG of organic. Not a lot of people know about it. It's mostly it's well known in Europe. And and when people do know about it, it's usually because of biodynamic wines. Um, and what's interesting about that is the same principles that are used to grow biodynamic wines, which really is a f- kind of a focus on the soil and, you know, how how to create uh, natural fertility in the soil, uh, which happens to then, you know, I think reflect in the quality and the flavors that you get from from the grapes. This, those same techniques uh, can be used to grow anything, and and coffee is actually very similar to grapes in that it's it's hand picked. It's you know, it's it's where the best is hand picked. You can do it, you know, with machines, but you know, you're you're looking at trying to pick the you know the the grapes all ripen at the same time, but coffee doesn't. So if you look at any coffee, a branch of coffee, there are some that are uh ripe and others on the same branch that are not. So it's really the best way to pick that coffee, unless you're going to get unripe coffee, is by hand. Got it. Okay. And So it yeah, biodynamics just it's just kind of similar in a way to um Permaculture in that it's, it's creating a self-sustaining ecosystem that, if if you look at that compared to conventional farming, it is, I think, has so many pluses in terms of its impact on the environment, uh, on the independence of farmers, on the quality of the food that's grown. Uh, I really think that type of regenerative agriculture is, is the future or a big part of the future of agriculture.
1: Got it. Okay, cool. So that's very helpful, and thanks for defining that. And so, you go to Honduras. You you're going to get in the coffee business. You're going to import as much as possible. Um, of course, when you import coffee, it's not already packaged and and, and uh, branded and whatnot. So, how did you figure out that part of it?
2: So I, I had some experience in uh, in e-commerce and online grocery shopping. Actually, one of the, the the first to to do that. But I didn't have a lot of experience in uh, consumer packaged goods. And so, you know, at the time, one of the things we had decided to do is we we wanted to package it in in a unique way. And we made a big mistake, actually, with with that, that first packaging. So, uh, I know that's one of the questions you like to ask, but ah, I'm going to jump right, right into the, one of the mistakes we made. I love it.
1: People love to hear <laughs> so, it. I mean, I, so, I got feedback on that, by the way. Like a couple months ago, someone was like, I love all the stories, but man, ask your guess what
2: didn't work. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Well, this is one of the things that, you know, if we could go back, we would not do it the same way. So we wanted to kind of stand out um, in our coffee packaging because, you know, it's tough. It's a tough business. Coffee is not an easy business to get into. uh, you You know, you really need to have a niche and, you know, stand out in some way. And so we decided we were going to Use compostable packaging, which was very much part of our ethos to, you know, to try to make all the right decisions so that we were, you know, offering what we call no compromise coffee. And so we had a compostable bag, but inside a compostable box. So a box that would sit on the shelf. Uh, it was a craft paper box, you know, with embossing on it, you know, really beautiful printing. We had a sticker that covered it. Why is that so bad? Well, it's so bad because one craft paper does not stand out on the on the shelf. So it's like I would go into a grocery store looking for the coffee. I'd be standing right in front of it and couldn't even see it because it just did not stand out. The other thing, it's very labor intensive to do all of those steps. You know, you're putting a, a uh, filling a bag, putting the, building the box, putting the bag in the box, putting a sticker on it. And to top it off, when you ship those boxes they tend to get crushed too so then they tend to look even worse on the on the shelf so it was a lot of material it was a lot of labor didn't stand out it was like you want to design the worst packaging that's basically what we did the worst possible kind of packaging so we eventually changed oh it <laughs> but yeah it did not help us i would say it was uh it was definitely a lessons learned
1: sure wow um well you know and you moved on from there so okay so did you have others like that you knew, or that helped you with like p- packing the product, doing design of the package, um, figuring out like what would be saleable on e-commerce or to retailers. Like, what did that look like?
2: So we we eventually sprtended up and and worked with uh, a designer that uh, Dominic Jacques, one of the the co-founders, really knew really well, um, and he had helped with uh, designing of the logo for his co- uh, coffee shops in Montreal, the cafes called Milk. Uh, really excellent design guy. He, he helped us not only create the logo, but you know, with the, the packaging and all that, and it was night and day. So, um luckily we had already gotten uh, our our coffee into Erewhon uh it's a chain of grocery stores in LA that uh, a lot of people you know look to towards you know what are the the newest trends uh, in in food uh and when we made the switch to the new packaging it it really just helped everything on the on the store shelves uh and i think on the website too just that that pop they were like bright colors from from our logo we used for the t- three different sure. roasts, the, a yellow, a green and a red and it just they stand out better. It's less packaging. It's still compostable so all, all good things.
1: I love that. And then who were you targeting? Who's your target customer with product?
2: So uh, we were from the beginning it was interesting. we we kind of knew that we wanted to focus on people who were interested in healthy living, healthy eating. Uh, For obvious reasons, this food, you know, it's anything grown in in a regenerative, biodynamic, organic way. You know, you're not going to get pesticides or herbicides. Uh, So it's a high quality, healthy way of growing things. And we knew that would appeal to uh, people who are health conscious, uh, fitness, uh, people who are into fitness. But also then it's people who are also had some level of concern for the environment, whether it was around biodiversity or, you know, what can we do to, uh, you know, even sequester carbon in in the soil, this way of farming helps to do that. So it hit, it hit those two things, which tend to go together. And, and Erewhon was the perfect uh, first grocery store to, uh, to have our, our product in, because that's definitely part of, of their, their thinking as well.
1: Sure. And how did you sell that in? Um, that's one of the biggest challenges, right? Is getting initial wins in retail. Like, How did that sell and work?
2: Because we were so focused on the things that we knew mattered to Air one, it was it was actually quite easy because we hit all of their criteria. You know, it was, it was, you know, it, it's not that we planned it this way. This is what we wanted to do. The, the problem we were solving had less in the beginning to do with, the consumer and more about the impact we wanted to have, uh, in a broader sense, right? So it was more about what can we do to contribute to a better world? And we thought supporting regenerative agriculture is one of the, the most important things we can do. And, you know, obviously we also looked at the, the benefits to, to the consumer of that, that too, uh, and wanting to be part of that, that story. Um, and, and it was actually really easy the buyer said this is this is exactly what we're looking for uh we send samples and uh it was one of the easiest parts of our story is it was was, uh, was (laughs) awesome yeah
1: that's (laughs) very very cool and then like how long from you you go to the coffee farm in honduras to initially having product that was saleable like how long did that take
2: so that took a couple of months just because importing coffee is a bit of a slow process. And uh, I made another mistake uh, trying to do all that myself. So I decided oh, I was it. going to be the importer. I did all the right. paperwork for that. And and it was, and I'm, actually, it's my weak, biggest weakness is paperwork. I'm terrible oh, at that. I, I, then my partner who, my partners, they both said to me, Greg, you hate doing this and you're not very good at it. And you made all sorts of mistakes and you spent more money than we needed to, to import this coffee. Why don't we just go to experts who know how to, uh, right. you know, <laughs> who can work do with it the customs. You. There's a really great company here in, in Montreal that actually is one of the biggest coffee importers. And they help companies just like ours to do this. It's called RGC. They're amazing to work with and they made our lives so much simpler. Wow. It's so nice to think about that. Yeah. You think you got to
1: do it all yourself, right? Early days. And then you start to find the right partners to work with. Um, When did it become real? Like, when did you know, okay, like it it was, it's one thing to have the idea. It's another to go find the product, another to make product and packaging. doesn't mean anybody's going to buy it. So like, when was it you guys actually started getting some traction and thinking that this could be a business? So, we we kind
2: of in the beginning we we did zero advertising we didn't do any ads anything like that because we wanted to see just you know without without going that route which we knew if we pushed on that it would help but we wanted to see is there any kind of natural demand what's the consumer fit for this product and uh, it turned out that a couple of things happened that that really encouraged us one. Um, it, we had a, an Instagram uh, page and a, a lot of influencers or people who, you know, just liked our story, liked our coffee, uh, felt really good about it, you know, would, would ask us, um, you know, sometimes they would ask us to send them some coffee to try, but often they would just post, um, stories about the coffee. And that really helped us in the beginning to, to gain some credibility. Um, and so that was one. And then we also just looked at the numbers in terms of, you know, when people buy it, do they buy it once and then that's it or are they repeat buyers and we had really good metrics on the the number of repeat buyers the average order size you know the the long-term customer value was all there we we had all that from from the e-commerce side of it so we knew that once we 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 um, somebody tried the coffee; they were likely to stick with it. So we ended up putting in a subscription um, uh, model on the website, and um, that really worked. And it just it just continued to grow organically over time. And oh. at a certain point, it was like, well, we, we need to now hire a production manager. We need to, you know, uh, build a team to do this. And at that point, once we we started building a team, it wasn't just you know the three of us doing this kind of, you know, by outsourcing what we could. Uh, we uh, brought everything in-house and now we have a whole team that's uh, that's helping us with this.
1: Well, and so you've been doing this now close to seven years. Um, obviously, things have evolved. Like, how, how are you selling er- early days only on your website? And then has that, that's obviously changed over time. What does that look like from a channel perspective?
2: So in in, in the beginning, was it was only online. And then it quickly, we added uh, Air One within a, a few months of of launching the website, wow, I think it was. awesome, uh, And then... So we we then added uh, another brand so um, called milk uh, so that we could also sell the coffee into all the the Montreal-based coffee shops into the private cafes that we run uh, and so that helped with the volume and um, so we now sell to coffee shops to grocery stores to uh, restaurants. Um, we do uh, direct to consumer. we we do some white label too. so um, not not only for, our own brand but uh, other companies who were interested in one in particular who is interested in doing a biodynamic coffee uh, we said we have all the the certifications for that so we'd be happy to because it in the end it supports the same the mission that we have which is really around supporting this type of agriculture because of its benefits, you know, I think they're, they're widespread benefits. So we look at it from that perspective. That's what drives our decisions. Anything that will will help uh, the farmers who we want to encourage to use these methods of growing. Um, that's kind of in the end, what we're interested in. That's why we're we're okay with doing white label.
1: Got it. Man, you guys are really grown into all kinds of different parts of the business. It's amazing. Um, what's next? You look ahead six to 12 months, like what are the keys to growth?
2: One of the things we, we like to do is branch out uh, a little bit beyond coffee uh, to add um, basically a thing that you could you could add to your coffee, like a coffee booster, uh, depending okay. on on what you're looking. So kind of um, a functional benefit where some days you just want your coffee and that's great. But other times you'd want to add something where, you know, it gives you a little bit of energy, natural source, kind of herbal type, um, plant-based um um, uh, addition, like a coffee booster that you could add. So we're we're looking at at doing that. We're we're exploring that opportunity with uh, a, a company that is uh, is really good at, at helping put together those types of formulations. So I think that might be the next step that we take. But other than that, it's just going to continue to to grow and to now I think um, uh, shift gears a little bit in in terms of. PR in terms of, you know, we'll do some experiments with maybe uh, some, well, we are currently doing some experiments with uh, doing online, online ads. That is, the jury is definitely out on that. I'm not sure that's going to work. Uh, <laughs> but we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> that's interesting.
1: <laughs> uh, you shared earlier, one of your biggest lessons learned. Um, and I'd love to just ask you, if remember, we've got a lot of entrepreneurs listed to our show. Um, what other coaching would you have for them? Anything you'd want to share that have been keys to getting out of the gate? with a product and then now growing no pun intended
2: so i think it's to me it's always been kind of knowing the difference between being persistent and being stubborn and it's kind of an interesting balance because you know to to do anything successfully you you end up going through some some rough patches where you make mistakes and you have to learn from them but it doesn't mean you you need to give up right so you need to be successful you need to be persistent and not give up on things but at the same time you have to balance that with you know being stubborn in the wrong ways like well i'm just going to continue banging my head against the wall on, on something that's not working um you know have to be flexible pivot get feedback um and, and just keep trying i think is is the key is 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 it's a simple i know it sounds i uh, probably everyone tells you the same thing gives you the same advice but it i think in the end it really comes down to that
1: well i mean there's uh, there's nothing wrong with consistency you know what i mean in terms of like if if i'm a uh entrepreneur and I start hearing the same themes from individuals there might be something in that right um so cool excited for you and um where you are how about share with our audience uh, where they can find you connect with you buy product
2: etc so the website you can visit is uh biodynamic.coffee so it's uh, b i o d y n a m i .coffee. and uh yeah that's that's where you can find it the other is uh if you're interested in our organic brand it's uh, Milk. it's m-e-l-k dot uh, cafe so it's c-a-f-e really cool
1: man so fun um it's been so great meeting you uh excited for you and what you've got going uh I, I love the unexpected and as i said it was just really great also having some time to connect with you before we even hit record today um and look forward to staying in touch and have you back on down the road i know you'll have lots more
2: to share with us justin I had a lot of fun thank you so much
0: the ContenderCast is powered by Contender Brands and is the top global consumer industries entrepreneurship podcast. You can find additional ContenderCast episodes on worldwide podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartMedia, YouTube, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the ContenderCast, connect with us at ContenderCast.com.